pale horse. The man who sat on him was dead. And hell followed with him. You're killing me, man. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Declarations of War. I'm your host, Alexei Abkard, joined by my co-host, Yen Tan. Howdy, howdy. And Artemis Albosa. And so it begins again. (laughs) We're back from a little bit of a break. Short relief from your torment before I inflict it upon you again. (laughs) (laughs) I know you missed this, guys. All right. Let's get right into it with some shout-outs. I want to shout-out to Joe... Arab, I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right. Capitalist Army member, he is our lucky charm when it comes to popping moon rocks. We've gotten more jackpots from Joe than sheesh, the entire rest of the corp combined. We call him Jackpot Joe Arab. Good man. Bringing in that money. True capitalist. Also want to give a shout out to Feyral, one of our top PvPers in the Capitalist Army. He's launched a new Twitch stream, which you can check him out at, twitch.tv slash and he is featuring killing VNIs with executioners solo. It's going quite well, and it's pretty impressive to watch. Yeah, my personal shout-out is going to be just to test the Alliance in general for their very kind welcome uh, you know, to me. Uh, it's been great joining the past couple of days. Everyone's been uh, super helpful getting comms sorted and all that sort of thing. I look Yin, forward to going Yin, on more fleets. You're doing it wrong. It's Tappy. Oh, yeah, Not sorry, Tappy. It's Tappy. No, you're, you're completely correct. We, Tappy have even like accepted it. I got told that my t- my tag on Discord had to be Tappy now, not CVA. Oh, we have so much to talk about on that. Artemis, you want to get your shout out in? Yeah, my shout out goes to all the recent additions to MC. We've um, since the new year gained three new corps. A German-speaking corp whose name I will not attempt to pronounce, as well as Cult of Speed, formerly of Explicit Alliance. And Zansha from Brave. So, a bunch of new faces, lots of new possibilities. Very nice. Do they have a sweet Julie? Uh, pardon me? Do they have a sweet Julie, the Germans? I'm unfamiliar with this concept. Oh my goodness. Were you not around in Noir when sweet Julie was a thing? No. With Gemeinschaft? Guys, it's not possible. I can feel your old guards just, like, stench. <laughs> well... The the Nar folks listening to this podcast will remember. Dwee Julie was like the best German FC I've ever seen. This guy was out of this world. <laughs> he had some very funny mannerisms. But anyway, yeah. Awesome dude. Uh, fantastic FC. Everybody needs a sweet Julie. Alright. Uh, also give a shout out to our sponsor, the Eve Onion. Eve Onion breaks the news of Eve Online, breaking a very huge story, huge, huge, huge story about a possible acquisition of CCP by Amazon. Now, being a Twitch employee, I cannot comment any further, but read it all at EveOnion.com. Eve Onion, we break the news of Eve Online. I'm going to show my corporate ignorance here. Does Twitch, or does Amazon own Twitch? Uh, They do indeed. Hmm. All right, we had a poll. The most useless assault frigate bonus. Is it A, the Ishkur's light drone tracking bonus? Or Alec is right. Or B, the Jaguar rocket and light missile explosion velocity bonus? Just Artemis' theory. 78% of the audience chose the right side. 
The Ishker light drone tracking bonus is the most useful assault frigate bonus, and I would contend one of the most useless in the game. So, I'd like to mention that the true listeners of Declarations of War, the best listeners of Declarations of War, those listeners who have two brain cells to rub together, have voted for the correct answer to this poll. And that unfortunately, there has been a conspiracy and fraud at the polls resulting yeah, conspiracy in of reason. conspiracy of correct related results in this poll so conspiracy of common sense to the let's intelligence call it. to the well-rounded listeners of declarations of war who chose the second answer fear not i understand we'll come to the bottom of this eventually Arnos does have the paint huffing community of declarations of war listeners cornered that's true <sighs> hey man Everybody's got to have a hobby. Yeah, it's amazing. MC picked up all these new corpses, but not a single one of them would vote for <laughs> Artemis in this poll. I have not sourced MC for votes since we were discussing who won the Providence War. Okay. For the record. All right, let's get into our top story. Uh, CCP, please fix that Ishker bonus. It is only marginally yes used less useless than the previous bonus, which was M3 to the drone bay. Top stories. Yin, you are our top story. Yin Tan finally leaves CVA. Yeah, it was, you know, it's kind of a sad day if I'm honest. I, I do have a lot of happy memories in probably wasn't an easy decision to make and all that, you know, but I, I kind of saw the writing on the wall. I knew that multiple war alliances were going to be leaving, and I figured that, well, you know, the the time that I'm going to be particularly useful in CVA is someone who, you know, tends towards playing a lot of, um, you know, large scale gang warfare. I feel like my uh, my usefulness has basically expired in CVA. I think it's going to be off up to the skirmish FCs now to continue that war and win it, if at all possible. Uh, I'm going to guess probably not. <laughs> uh, you never know. You you no. do never know, and CVA is remarkably resilient, but I will have to say that losing you is a pretty big blow for them. I could not name another high-quality Pravi FC off the top of my head. I certainly could. Alistair's uh, possibly a better sub-cap FC than myself. Farden does a good cap FC. Lord Mop is very accomplished in that sense. Is he He's the guy who ones. likes dropping facts on the R3 gate camp that Noir likes to run? I don't know who that is. Hmm. I don't know about those camps at all either. So, question marks. Oh, man. Arkantantix needs to get back on the ball. Oh, he's forgotten about that. him already. Well, the issue is, like, freaking Pravi's gone. They just don't use the pipe anymore because they've been kicked out of Pravi. <laughs> there are no more targets. We've literally, we've had to calm Ark down multiple times from going and invading PL because he's so salty that his nature preserve is gone. Like, that that's, was, that's like where Ark would go fishing. Like, if he couldn't find Ark, he's down in Pravi. Ian, do you want to, now that you're gone, give the folks a little bit of insight on, if you, if you can tell us the objective view or, or, like, your honest opinion now of the Providence situation now that you're out? What What is happening there? What's your prediction for the next few steps over the next couple of weeks? I kind of laid that out in my my post. I think that, you know, Provi's going to not be holding Providence for a bit, but it will eventually come back. I think it's somewhat realistic to expect uh, 
Equinox to take Provi back to where it was. Uh, or at, at least in control of Providence. Okay, I, I don't think he's going to... I don't think that he has the desire to make Providence a great power, and I guess that's kind of where he and I differ, and it's why I've decided to kind of move on. You know, it's not something that I'd be capable of, which is something I think is important to mention. That's not something I think I'm I'm able to do. I I definitely try, but hey ho. Yeah, you can only do so much. Yeah. And probably definitely had a quite a good run. Um, they've been in there for what a good five, six years, seven years since the reclamation. I mean, CVA's been in Providence since two thousand and three. Yeah, but they got kicked out for a year or two. Yeah, they got kicked out after that, and we kind of lost control of a, of some of the north in 2015, and we lost control of some of the center of it during the Brave War, all that good stuff. We've always been uh We've always had a tumultuous time down in the south. Speaking of tumultuous town, times down in the south, segway question mark? Yeah, it seems good. Oh, yeah. So, um... There's been a, a rearranging of the map of sorts, and an unfortunate end to a wonderful war. Uh, Pandemic Horde is moving to Geminit, and in exchange, the X-Death alliances that currently live in Geminit are moving south to where Tri currently lives, and some other. In response, Tri essentially surrendered from the Tri versus Solar DRF conflict. This is a goddamn shame because Tri has been one of the most interesting alliances to watch, and this conflict has been one of the most interesting conflicts to watch for a really long time. And I'm very disappointed to see it turn out the way it turned out, but apparently this is some good diplomacy by uh, DRF and XDEF. They are um, giving Horde, I would say, safer space to farm, and in exchange, it frees up XDEF to move into this newly conquered area and tightens up their lines a little bit to the point that Tri is just not going to be able to keep up with the numbers, especially after they recently lost, uh, I think it was Portazar, or Keepstar, one of the two. Um, but they began to lose timers as the, the point of it. And uh, if they were already losing timers before, the addition of more alliances on top of that is not going to make things any easier. So Tri's pulling up stakes. They're going to trim the fat, rearrange their alliance to more of a nomadic kind of thing. They've made comments about, you know, taking out or taking revenge on certain alliances that have been involved in this. I think Test and Brave are probably going to be on that chopping block. That's my guess. We'll see. Ah, it's interesting and a shame. Um, yeah, no, that war was pretty crazy. Like, watching such a small entity do so well was super interesting. Especially once CO2 died. Like, when CO2 died, I did not expect the war to last another two weeks. I think it just goes to show just how powerful having a supercap fleet and, you know, some level of regional superiority is in at least the current era of um, Fozisov. You know, we saw Tri be able to leverage a lot of their capital power without being ultra-threatened a lot of the time. And... You know, that gave them uh, some significant advantages when fighting down there. I think it's also worth mentioning fraternity. Like, they went oh, yeah. from fledgling alliance to local superpower in no time flat. I'm wondering what in the world they're going to be doing now. 
Yeah, that's interesting because they had definitely thrown their lot in with Try. Now that Try is gone, I mean, DRF isn't explicitly saying that they're going to push into fraternity space, but Frat's looking a little lonely now. Are they going to have the numbers to hold the territory that they've taken so explosively over the past couple of months? I don't know. I think they, they'll at least make a show of it. I don't know that DRF is going to be interested in expanding their borders past what they already have, at least for a little while. Uh, I don't think Legacy is going to push east on Frat unless they want to do it just for content. Unless yeah, they to actually take territory. That's exactly where my money is. A Legacy Coalition content push either into Probi or into Fraternity Space. But my predictions have been pretty bad as of late, so take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> I don't think it would ever happen, but it would be interesting to see what would happen if Tri got put into probably. Well, that would be interesting that, indeed. I don't think that's something that will happen. Like, that's just not realistic. I don't think the relationships well, I mean, would even work that way, but it's interesting to think about. Like, the question is, will will NCPL use Pravi to the point where they're willing to fight over it? Like, other than just for having good fights? Quote unquote. And if not, does Try have a use for Pravi? Because <laughs> I don't, I, in no situation do I imagine that post war Pravi, uh, the coalition, could retake Providence if Triumvirate decided that they wanted it. And apparently, this is a very uncontroversial opinion on the panel. Yeah, yeah. Seems, seems accurate. Just Try at the moment, they don't. They don't have the numbers to, like, really displace anybody that I could think of, aside from perhaps some of the renters in the, in the South, but then that's fighting the DRF again, which they just gave up doing. I mean, So, unless they went up maybe against Guardians of the Galaxy? Nah, you're, you're thinking too big. Like, if you've been to Cloud Ring lately, and even some of Syndicate and Fountain to a certain extent, there are small to medium entities that would be a pushover for Pravi. Or pardon me for triumvirate. If um, there aren't any backroom deals going on that I'm not unaware of, like a bunch of low sec faction warfare, like Galmil folks have solved. They're just some random like few hundred man alliances hanging out in Cloud Ring. It's uh, interesting topographically as of late. Well, we'll see what they do. Definitely an alliance to watch. I'm going to be keenly interested in where they go and who they start shooting next. Yeah, I think fraternity is probably the big, the most important, like catalyst for change in the entirety of the game right now. They're the only kind of loose element that has enough weight to really pressure stuff into happening. I, I guess Tri does as well, but they're, um, you know, somewhat. Uh, I don't even know how to put it, but they just seem like they're more. They they have more friends. That they can't go and attack. You know, you wouldn't expect to see Tri go up and attack BL or NC just because it politically wouldn't make sense. And it also wouldn't make sense for uh, Frat to do that, but you could totally see them trying it. For no reason other than they feel like they don't have any other targets. You know, maybe go attack uh, GOTG or something. Yeah, Frat doesn't really have those kinds of loyalties that would stop them from doing anything that they needed to do. Yeah, if it wasn't for the whole um, PLA uh, versus um, fraternity thing, I think they would probably be more interested in working with the goons. I, I still haven't been able to find, like, proper context for it, but apparently the two organizations don't like each other or something. Really? Yeah. I mean, does anyone like PLA, honestly? Apart from the people who farm them? 
ouchies. Yeah, with with Try, the way they fight, I mean, I'm getting a real Black Legion vibe off them right now. I feel like they could be somewhat independent and be a big player in that way themselves. But at the end of the day, they're going to need to get numbers if they want to really build another coalition. Mm. And uh, Frat right now, I think, is the only alliance that's available for to do that with them, unless they do something real mavericky, like formally join PLNC dot be Panfam, which I think that'd be a waste of their potential, or something happens with CBA and, and there's a partnership to be made there, but like they're really running out of alliances. Um, if initiative were ever to ever leave the Imperium, I could see like an initiative try co thing. That could be pretty interesting, but I don't see that actually happening anytime soon. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I expect Ghast and, um, whoever else is involved in leading, try to find something to do. It's just a question of, uh, you know, if it's enough to keep the alliance alive, or how you know how much it's uh, how much how many people it manages to keep, how many fairweather friends stick by it. Kind of kind of a similar position to CVA, to be honest. Just in a larger scale, the small kind of semi relevant, not not relevant. That's a harsh way to put it. Like um, slightly outclassed power getting pushed out by the better regional power as the meta kind of solidifies again. Yeah, I mean, when you're losing your space, you definitely find out who your friends are both in terms of alliances and members. So show. I think it's good for a try. Like, they clearly have a core group of PvPers that's willing to fight really gritty. I don't see them having huge slopes off of this. I definitely I definitely think they're going to come out of it leaner and more focused wherever they decide to go next and whatever they decide to do next. I, strong, I really pity the alliance that has to go up against them. Did All right. Try recently lose like a relatively large corporation? Did they? I mean, even if they did, don't losing a corporation. It was Avalanche. Dot. They went over to Northern Coalition. It was two hundred odd members, which is roughly a tenth of Try at the time. I mean, it's not great, but if you look at their member line, it's been relatively flat. Shit, I bet there are tons of corpses that would love to join them. Hmm. It's gonna be good times for them, I think. I mean, we'll see. We'll see where they go, what they decide to do. But kind of eaves their oyster. Just gotta figure out what direction they want to take things. I don't see them going up against DRF again anytime soon, though, just because I'm sure they're sick of it. So that leaves most of the East just off the table. I think Yin is correct in that. Going up against PL and NC Dot doesn't make any sense for them to do. So that's the north. So they're going to go deep south or they're going to go against goons. And I don't see goons making a lot of sense for them either. So I think they're either going to hang around in Losec for a little while or they're going to go hit uh, Legacy. And I think that's the only available target. They've kind of been hitting Legacy this whole time though. Try have at least. Or are you discussing Fraternity here? I was discussing Try. They... I mean, Legacy's been hitting Try, not so much the other way around. Yeah, no, no, I, I get you. Do, is Curse really a good spot to do that from? I guess it gives you access to Catch, which means you can hit kind of that soft underbelly that I think, um, you know, uh, people like um, Brave are normally considered to be. And they were very. Yeah, you can also get into there. some of the other neighboring regions too, pretty easily. Yeah, kind of very effective stuff. when they were working in tandem with PL at shutting down kind of routes of movement. Um, I don't know how effective that's going to be 
with PLs engaged in Providence. Although maybe they can still just team up with PL and just do stuff down there. I don't know. Like maybe base out of Providence once PL's taken over. I feel like there's some uh, there's some place for that. Oh, that would be interesting. Try and Pravi. No, 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 try and um, PL. Uh, try and PL and Pravi. Yeah, 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 not not try and Pravi. Try and Pravi would be a uh, crack fan fiction, if anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. That's a, a pretty big shuffle of the map, so we wanted to give it time. There's also been some big shuffles in the meta and the game itself. CCP, uh, we've been joking about it, but it might be true. I think the devs have been replaced, like a body swap type situation. Because we've gotten like balance patches, and they're removing a feature that sucks. That's never happened. It's, it's I, pretty good, isn't it? I can't tell you the last time CCP took something out. I guess Captain's Quarters would be the last major thing that they decided to remove because they acknowledged they weren't going to work on it anymore. Teams was another good one. That, those like the only two ones that anyone remembers. Oh yeah, Teams. Wow, that was uh, see, that was around I for a hot minute. To XD. I don't even know what that is. You don't know what Teams are? Oh, like boy. in in an Eve context, what is Teams? For the briefest period of time, you could hire Teams that would affect your industry jobs. Oh, I remember that. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it was cryos. really cool from a law perspective because they were all taking like mad drugs so that they could work super hard. That was basically space magic cocaine. It was sick. I want one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no one. It was just like added complexity to an already complex system. Hmm. I forget what the actual reason they they killed it off for it, but it was just annoying. Uh, Yin, I think you were in office at the time. You probably have more insight into the thought process there, but I imagine people just weren't using it very much. Uh, sorry, what's that relation to? The teams. Why did that? Why was that killed off officially? Like a, a shitload of combination of reasons, but basically it just came down to they couldn't get it in a place where it wasn't, you know, where it was was fun. It's <laughs> a radical concept, but yes, the game should be fun. Video uh, games. I don't know. Should be entertaining. We're about to be introducing a ship which has, like, zero gameplay involved. It's got gameplay if you play the game at a high enough level. Well, so do teams. They literally... There was, like, two use, use cases in which case they were actually, like, kind of good, and that was if you were building fuel blocks and, like, other insanely high market velocity items. Sounds like playing the game at a high level. True, I guess. So we're getting an FC ship. That's what Artemis is talking about. It's basically the a worst idea ever. You're, you're fucking wrong, but okay. <laughs> it's a gigantic pile of hit points with very low sig radius, lots of E-war resistance, and no offensive anything. Do you know? Do you know why this is a good idea? Because it helps. It helps alliances with small leadership numbers operate. What? Since when is this a good thing? That should be a good thing, because it, like, what's the first thing you, what is the hardest thing to develop? I like to say, you'll know this, what's the hardest thing to develop in an organization? Leadership. Yeah, for sure. I, I can't so think of a better way to, to do that than so to make sure to the... prop up inadequate organizations by introducing things to help them because they're failing in the leadership department. Really? Makes is, that, sense. is that your fucking takeaway from this, you bitter asshole? 
I mean, I can't think of a better way to help develop leadership than to make sure the one or two leaders we already have can do everything and they don't need to delegate or train new people. Come, no, because you'll always, you'll always have secondary entities because you always want people to be calling targets for you because it's a hell of a lot easier to well, do that way. Wait, that's the whole point of this ship. The whole, no, the point, whole point of, the of that ship is, so is to have a strong call. anchor. It, no, it's an anchoring ship, dude. You fucking anchor it. it. Does, does it have a webbing uh, freaking thingy? No, but neither does any other ship in the entire fucking game. Except supers, yeah, but you can't anchor in supers. If you're sitting well, on you this could. Marshall, you are obviously the anchor, so you get webbed down, and then what, are you going to have a half Did, a dozen I, other marshals that, that you can swap because to? I'm, I'm a well-known FC, and I wasn't getting webbed down every fight, because sometimes they just don't get webs on you, because that's not how every large-scale fight works. How long did you fight on citadels that were offensive targets? Never, because if you fight on an offensive citadel, you need to be using a specific doctrine where you can't get webbed. That's Ooh. how that meta works. Until like, recently. Right. Still, recently, I still would not fight at zero on a citadel. I think that's stupid. You don't have I, to I fight at we'll... zero yet to fight within 250 kilometers. Yeah, yeah, but that's different. You can't be webbed at 250 fucking kilometers. Yeah, you can. That's what Citadel webs do. Yeah, but even when I was fighting just like PL with Max on a gate, they still wouldn't web me like 90%, well, like 50% of the time. And PL's mm. a good alliance full of people who actually know what the fuck they're doing. If it was it's so easy to web the FC every time and so beneficial to do that, they, they wouldn't, they would do it 100% of the time. Like, your argument is just not correct. I'm sorry. What doctrine was PL flying? Uh, uh, Macarials with Lurkies. Like, they, they just can't always get in at zero on you. That's not how the game works. So you're telling me that if they had gotten in at zero and had webbed you, they wouldn't be better off? No, of course they'd be better off, but that's enough. This, this, this ship doesn't have a web resistance bonus. Exactly. If they, if they, if they specifically set up in such a way that they can still, like, make me less useful, then that happens. Like, are you complaining that there's counterplay to this now? Question. No, I'm complaining I that don't you're get saying your it's an anchor ship when it doesn't have a web resistance bonus. No, but it's it's perfectly fine of being an anchoring ship for people who just want to anchor and, you know, focus and around And scream that. to the entire rest of EVE, Hey guys, I'm the anchor, come and web me if you want to win this fight. Or, allow me to rephrase, to bring it back down to Earth, if you want to have a better chance at winning this fight. Yeah. I, I, I don't really want to argue this, but as much, uh, much more than I already have, at least, but it's just know. good. It just, it helps new FCs learn how to FC, and if they get headshot, they don't immediately clam up and think, this is not fun, why am I doing this? Like, it, it will help develop talent, I almost guarantee it. Alec, I, I hope that it, I hope that like... it doesn't, uh, have some ill effects for PvE, and that you can just, like, stick one of these things in a site and have it tank for you for ages. Can That's have, my one thought. Can we have a survey going out to all the prospective FCs who got headshot and then decided to stop FCing? Well, you probably won't get very many responses from that, but I know people who've done that. Well, somebody does, I guess, at least. You've really known people that stopped FCing after they got headshot? Well, they, they, they FC a lot less because they're worried about it. Probably, man. So, let me it's, out, it's lay out It's fucking casual players. What do you want from me? Like, so don't FC as a casual player in, like, a block-level situation? Okay, that's fair enough, but this is not in, you know, you can't assume that this is only going to be used in a block-level situation. What if you're in UFC and you're, you know, in a 30- or 40-man fleet? This might actually be a good call for you. 
The only downside is that it can't probe. If you could probe with this ship, it would be great in like a 40 to 50 man situation. Yeah, but if you're in that situation, then you're not going to have to worry about High Alpha basically nuking you Macario's at the exists. first chance. Like, not for long. <laughs> I'm also be very concerned that I'm losing, I'm losing that, uh, that pilot, basically, because they're not contributing anything else to the fleet. Certainly, if I'm leading a 40-man fleet, I want to be in a combat ship. Then I can, like, throw some damage down, throw some tackle down. Uh, I kind of get that, but I just think this is going to be overall good for the game, and I can't see any argument that it's going to be bad for the game. Like, do you think you're, it's going to be bad for the game, Artemis? You're preventing counterplay to obvious organizational structure. Like, if I know who the person's FC is, they're playing on their main, I can headshot them, and it makes it more likely that I can win the fight, right? That's a thing that I can do to do you increase think that's my a good chances at winning. That Absolutely, fights. that is an evil No, I, I straight disagree. <laughs> I don't think that headshotting is overall good for the game. I think it's bad for the game, but... I also think it's incumbent on you, like, <laughs> maybe fly tankier doctrines. Like, I don't well, know. So I don't think there's any downside to, to it, though, to be clear. Alts. So I'm fine with it being included as a thing. Like, my biggest problem with the Marshall is it's touted not as a, an anchoring doctrine, which is Yintan's argument that I disagree with, but as a target-calling ship. And for the target-calling position, any FC just needs an alt, that they can lock with. Like, you don't have to let your fleet know who your alt is because you're not anchoring. They don't have to know who it is. All That's super inaccessible. I, I totally would agree with that if I didn't already have to have, A, two other alts to do all my scanning and to do, like, fleet management shit. And I, you know, the, the game fucking worked when I had four clients up. Like, there's a, there's a large amount of responsibilities that you have to deal with and keeping myself alive not being a huge one is very nice. To be clear, I'm not even saying you have to fly your alt and your main together in the same fleet. You could literally just fly the alt. No, I understand what you're saying there, but that's still, you know, is something that's a very difficult counter. to do. No, it's not. Uh, okay, let's have another survey. How many EVE players in block-level alliances don't have alts who are also trying to be FCs and power players? I, d I do not think you should. the game should require you to have multiple accounts to fully enjoy it. I don't believe I don't. I then don't really we need to like change a any. lot of mechanics. Like every single mechanic in Eve is well. You can't. The you majority can't of mechanics in Eve are. If you that have more accounts, so you get more out of it. That's just how Eve works. Yeah, you get more out of it, but it's not required. I can mine by myself. I can PvP can, by myself. And you can FC on your main just fine. I I just want to know what is your argument against them. Fundamentally, what is what what do you think makes these things bad to add to the game? It, We've talked about how it doesn't add what you think it should add to the game, but why is, why is this bad? It could be exploited. I don't know how yet, but when you add a gimmick into the game, you can almost be guaranteed there's going to be an exploit for it. Number two is going to be that it's just uneve. It goes against the spirit of what I think Eve Online is, which is player generated content. In the sandbox, so, so having the just a tanky ship is now uneven. No, having an so the damnation is uneven. I don't get this. The this damnation is... is not uneven because FCs are complaining that the damnation isn't tanky enough for them. Yeah, because mi mitigation tanking is the only thing that works in large scale fleets because artillery is incredibly powerful right now because of the state of faxes. There's, there's like twenty knock on effects that make this necessary, and I don't know if CCP is going to realistically have time to sit down and 
fix all those knock-on mechanics in the next like, I don't feel that it's years. necessary. I think it is opening up the possibility for exploitation, and I think that it goes against the culture of EVE Online. Those are I my will, problems with yeah, it. I will agree with you that there might be some way to exploit it, and if there is, that's going to suck. I will agree with you there. That is potentially dangerous. I would love to have I would love to have rather seen um, just make command ships tankier, take some of their offensive power away, maybe. That was awesome. I don't think we needed a new ship, but I don't think it's hurting anything. Yeah, I mean, yeah. at least I mean, it I would looks have cool. that as well, but, you know, you take what comes to you. What'd you say, Artemis? I said at least it looks cool. It does look pretty cool. I will say that. that. That's the Enforcer model, right? Uh, the Concord ship? The uh, if it isn't, it's close. Alright, moving on. We have tons of other changes to talk about. I didn't even plan on talking about the command ship, but here we are. Uh, the thing that they are removing is Eve Voice. Bringing it back to the original point of this conversation. Gonna miss you. Have used it. It actually worked just fine, but no one ever... Like, it just didn't get the traction, and now with Discord and everything, it's left behind. So, goodbye Eve Voice. It's nice while it lasted. Allegedly, this and changes to chat and other features supposedly paving the way for client improvements down the down the line. Generally speaking, I just think it speaks to CCP's willingness to remove features that they're not actually going to work with anymore, and I think that's a really good change for the company because Eve is a complicated game, and there's a lot of shit in Eve that doesn't have a lot of use, but still is around, and I've. I'm very fine with some of that being removed so the game is streamlined to get players to the cool parts quicker, more quickly and for future patches to have less to worry about so we can actually get more change done. All right, uh, now we've got some balance patches to talk about. Let's talk about uh, ships first because I think that's going to be the less controversial of the two. Uh, they are making some changes to ships. We had the Assault Forget Balance recently. That was awesome. And now we're getting uh, more stuff. Battleships, some quality of life improvements. Extra lock range, which would be nice. Extra cargo capacity. I guess good for solo players more than anything else. I like the uh, lock range change. Just kind of making battleships more into that sniper role while freeing up their mid slots for other stuff. Attack battlecruisers get to fit the micro jump drive. That's fine. I, to be honest, didn't realize they couldn't already do that. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's going to change that Wait. much, sadly. Yeah, I don't think it is either. What? You didn't know they, could, they couldn't? Like, no, I just the, assumed like, Talos and stuff could fit it. They were introduced, because everybody was super worried about the sniping Nagas that were popular in Losec at the time. I don't use the MJDs much. Hmm. I... I'm expecting to see quite a few new solo PvP videos of some crazy dudes who are already using like 100 MN tornadoes and things using this MJD and going crazy with it. Because like if you think about it, the, the way MJDs you are used now oftentimes in solo PvP is to force people to brawl with you. Because they either have to scram you down or you can just blink away. And so you can feel free to fit short-range weapons and electronic warfare and not have to worry about dealing with kiting nonsense because all else fails, you've got a get-out-of-jail-free card. And I feel like the large weapons on non-tracking bonus halls, which are the attack battle cruisers, would benefit very greatly from being able to utilize their mid-slots to do EWAR, to increase their damage application, 
while being able to effectively ignore sort of kitey nonsense. So they can really play to their brawling card, especially like the Talos and things like that, and not have to worry so much about the lack of drones being able to being unable to force off scepters or something like that. The thing is with all those large gun battlecruisers, if an interceptor does close with them, they are pretty screwed. Yeah, they don't have a grappler. You're right there. It's... I don't know. I think it's going to be beneficial. I think somebody will figure out how to make it work. And also, one point before I move too far away, the increased lock range to T1 battleships, more MJD doctrines coming in. Because the biggest limiting factor on what ships you could use to kite on Citadel grids and the like was um, lock range. Now, granted, the recent Citadel changes means it's not as necessary anymore. No longer infinite scram. The void bombs are gone. The um, super weapons are interesting. So maybe the niche isn't as important to have filled anymore. But it certainly opens up alternatives to the Rokes and the Ravens, because now other battleships can reach that 300km cap on lock range more easily, with fewer trade-offs. Uh, it's also a really nice buff to the Maelstrom specifically, because the Maelstrom has always historically been limited by, um, basically, its ab ability to lock. You know, you normally saw SIGAMP on sub-specific Maelstrom fits, do so you kind of countermand that? And with this, you know, new upgrade. It's going to do a lot for that ship. I'm a big fan of the SIGAMP module, but it, it feels bad to take away, because that low slot can be used for so much else. Mm -hmm. More damage, more tracking, tank, speed. Like There's so much that can go in there. To have to spend it on lock range just feels, it feels shitty. I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not you know, down on having trade-offs in EVE fittings. That's a good part of it. But, you know, this is just a buff full stop. I mean, if the if the trade-off is keeping that ship back because there are other ships that don't have to make that trade-off, yeah, I think that's where balance comes in. Yep. The Orthrus. Getting a little nerf bat slapped onto it. Not too bad. Not too bad. It's losing some grid, 100 power grid. That's significant. Hard so... to tell exactly how significant for now. Uh, it's losing 15 maximum velocity. Not that significant. And it's getting a signature radius boost of 15, also not that significant. Yeah, it's, it's just a light touch. Just, yeah, it's just a touch at like, um, to basically kill off those 100mn XLASB fits. At least that's how I read it. That's a good point. Yeah. I had forsaken those when I was looking at what sort of changes this is going to impact. Because, like, I know a lot of people, they like the medium newts in the high slots, and removing the medium newt would basically resolve your fitting problems. You could also, um, swap out a rig, be a little bit less tanky, and also fix the problem. But the 100 yeah. men fits are just unviable now, I guess. Yeah, now we're getting into the kind of the balance changes, which I actually went down into very specifics on, and I like actually sat down and really put a lot of effort into. The others were basically just, um, I don't know, just stuff that was put out there and we kind of all agreed with, with CCP. Well, I'd be very interested in the details around the Ferox change, because that... It's a light touch, but it could have big impact. Mm -hmm. Give me a second, sorry. I'm really deep in a hand of poker. <laughs> so the Ferox is losing 100 power grid and 15 CPU. This is significant because, it, I mean, it may not sound like a lot, but right now the Ferox can do just about everything. Now it's got a problem in that it can either fit the max damage, max long range guns, 
It could fit a big tank. It could be cap-stable. But it can't be all three of those things at the same time. I think our solution is probably going to be just swap out a mag stab for a PDS. Lose a little bit of damage, albeit the third mag stab, so stacking penalized damage. And now you've got slightly better tank, slightly better cap, slightly worse damage. The hurricane may come back because now the, the damage differential is meaningful. But I think One of the to things that bring this it does back in line, it needs more. Is, uh... It, it actually be, means that because you don't have that spare low slot for the SIG amp, it can get a little worse in like super long-range engagements, which I know some people have taken with Ferruxes. It's something that I like to have in my back pocket every now and again, uh, especially versus things like uh, RT Maelstroms. But yeah, it's such a tiny touch. I don't think it'll have a huge thing, but it's nice to just see a nudge down and then just see if other people start experimenting with the other Battlecruiser options. The power diagnostic change, I, I think you might be right. It'll either be for the mags... I mean, it'll probably be for one of the mag stabs. But if it is, that's a world pretty significant. Because that, like you mentioned, that brings a lot of other battlecruisers and even some hacks closer to viability. Yeah, well, hacks also got a huge change this uh, this current patch with the ADCs, which are actually really good. Uh, PL were experimenting with some eagles a while ago, and they turned out fairly well. I've used Serbs and had some mixed success with them. They're not great, but they do let you live a little bit, especially under fighter damage, which is really nice, because the volley on fighters can be insane. We've had uh, EUTZ folks testing out the Munin, which is going to be getting a significant buff. Yeah, let's let's talk Munin. Are we going to skip a bit down? Okay. Uh, well, alright, we'll get through those real quick. The Drake Navy issue got a totally I don't think anyone was... Oh, we got the Mac first, but let's talk Drake Navy. I don't think anyone was actually looking at this or looking for this, but man, it, it got a total rework. I don't think not anybody even, expected CCP to go down with it. Like People complained about this and requested these changes in particular a long time ago and just gave up, I think. What do you mean, not a total rework? It's losing a 4% shield resistance bonus for a 10% missile damage bonus. Okay, and it's losing yeah, a launcher. It, it's just becoming more of a PvE ship than it already was, and I think that's cool. So what's the um, what's the actual damage come out in relative terms to current when it loses a launcher and gains a 10% buff? Um, well, it's going from 8 launchers, which is 8 effective launchers, to 7 with a 50% bonus, which is 10.5. So it's gaining okay, so roughly 2.5 launchers, yeah. It's pretty significant. And a utility high slot, which you could fit a link, a newt, and what have you. Yep. I mean, the the DNI is just used a shitload in, in PvE, and I imagine that's where these changes are aimed, because it's not overly used elsewhere. It kind of makes it a, a somewhat exciting ship to run. If you do, like, a heavy assault missile soloing fit, that could be pretty interesting. Uh, something I might want to try. Like a, like a Hams, Medium Dute, kind of brawly Podler Drake sort of fit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I it's like just, that idea. That's sick. I mean, why not use a T1 battleship, honestly? Because it's uh, a Drake extra damage, bro. Because can I bring a date? Can I bring a Drake? You know, you gotta live the memes. Mm. You're not convinced by you gotta live the memes, Artemis. <sighs> I'm just too out of touch with today's youth. I mean, Artemis, it is it is gonna deal way, way more damage than like your regular Hamdrake. Yeah, well, it is already in the four or five hundred range. But my kind, my kind like of perspective a... on it is that it's gone from mediocre to aggressively mediocre. You know, it's gone <laughs> from being like worse from the Ferox in every way to just slightly worse than the Ferox in every way. I'm just thinking 
Comparing to the Ferox, yeah, okay. Comparing to other T1BCs, especially the regular Drake, just the cost alone blows that comparison out of the water. It's not especially. that expensive. Have you looked at... Hang on, let me Google this. Keep in mind, some of that is, like, demand. Now that people want to actually use this ship, people make more... 250 mil for the whole. Yeah. Versus maybe 40 mil after T1 insurance for a regular T1 battlecruiser. You're talking literally five to six times the cost. I mean, I'm not going to say that it's 100% uh, 100% cost effective, but it's interesting. I think there's a, a role for it now. Especially with the, it gets an explosion radius bonus on hams. So you can just run in with a scram web and apply ridiculous amounts of damage to people. If you put a string a couple of those together, I think it's going to be very difficult for Logi to keep up, especially in small fleets. Time will tell. What are we talking about here? Are we still talking about the DNA? Yeah. Okay. All right, moving on to the Mac. This is a big one. Yes. But I actually don't know if it's going to really shake the meta that that much. It might just shift them from shield to armor. But they're getting a slight nerf to their falloff range, uh, losing 2.5% per level. That is pretty huge. Uh, Extra signature radius. I think it just brings them more in line with other battleships there. Big change. Minus one low slot, plus one mid. Yeah, I I really love this change, and it's one that I, I lobbied pretty hard for when we were kind of discussing these changes with the balance team. Uh, it's uh, I feel like the max problems are just that it's it works too well with so many other things in the meta, but you don't want to nerf it into oblivion because it's a a really good ship in a lot of contexts. You know, if if you're gonna like hit its damage or hit like its its utility, all you're going to do is impact. Um, the niche uses of the ship as like a shield skirmisher, as like a roaming ship, and and that's not what anyone wanted to really do with the Mac. We like that it enables those things. It's just purely that it when it's used as a passive tanked armor ship, it's just very hard to deal with. There's only like a, a very few select counters. You know, nightmares can do okay against it. They trade you know roughly one for one, in my opinion. Um, carriers and Hordreds do well against it, and BFGs do well against it, but that's it. My issue, such that an issue is, is that the shield Mac is still really good, and now it just got better. Hey, I'm I'm down for that. You know, that's I I would I would be interested to see some shield Mac fleets just so that I could bomb them. Like, come on, let's let's see them. You're not at all concerned that uh, you're just moving from armored to shield meta with them. I think if they still they fly... had their fall-off bonus and they still had really good lock range compared to T1 battleships, yeah, because then they'd just be like super maelstroms, but I'm not convinced. I'll have to see. I mean, they yeah. fly so differently when you do like an MWD RD versus an AV armor, and they don't quite have the same synergy with an escalation path, like you can't go fast, yeah. dread, supers, etc. It's, um... I mean, you can, you just gotta redo the... Redo yeah, from armor to shield. Who is a lot of lines is good. Their caps and supers from armor to shield because they want to fly shield max. <laughs> I mean, test will probably, or pardon me, Tappy. No, freaking test. Test will probably like it because they're already they've got the shield cap thing going on pretty good, and they're already using maelstroms. So if they are willing to shell out in the SRP department, I wouldn't be surprised to see a test shield mock fleet. Especially now that Jin Tan's coming in. If you can't convince them to do nightmares. <laughs> they they already do nightmares, dudes. More often than they do, I find that their <laughs> their default is maelstroms. Nightmares are 
I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I probably am wrong. I've just been glancing over. No, I think mushrooms are their default, but hey, they're pretty good. I'm going to use them, you know? I still... Okay, it's been a while, and we're still seeing people use shield maelstroms or shield tempests. I still don't quite understand why. Does anybody shield, have shield a... Shield tempests suck ass. They are... What? No, they are fucking great. Only in the autocannon, I'm gonna kill your cap fit. Yeah. That fit is very nice. I really... That fit is amazing. I think that that fit is criminally underrated in the current meta, but yeah, uh, the arty fit is bad. Okay. The, uh, the, the Tempest with newts and autocannons is literally my favorite battleship fit of the all fucking, time. The fucking whelp pest. Oh my god. Yes, I, I love using it. those in like 2012. They were so fun. <laughs> and That's then so when good. PL upgraded them to the fleet issues but had the same fleet concept, it's like, oh my god, they're not dying. <laughs> yeah, no, no the, the TFIs were a very different thing. Apart from that first run, then they became the armor brawly one, which was like the precursor to the, the Macarial. Well, that's didn't. the the TFI is an interesting point in lieu of these material changes. Do we feel like people are going to be sticking with the Mimitar faction versus pirate faction battleships? I mean, they're worse in every way than current materials, but was the material so far beyond what is available in other doctrines that something that is worse than their current iteration is still better than other options? I think we probably see a lot of people stick with the armor max for a while until there's a major fight that proves that they're bad or proves that they're not bad. You know, I hate to be like the super fucking pragmatist about this, but we don't even know if armor macarials are dead right now. Yeah, so that's very true. With 200k EHP and still be okay just because they're the best thing to ex escalate with. I mean, 200 EHP, you're literally using all your low slots for tank. I don't see how that's you can already lose a low the situation and not get with that. literally everyone's Macario fleet. Anyone who fits a fucking gyro to their armor max is done. Yeah, that, that's exactly my point. People. Like, how are you? How are you going to be losing a low slot and still maintaining your tank? Is my my uh, point. Yeah, you can still get decent tank. It's just that it's not as good as it was before, and you're going to leave yourself with potentially one hole in terms of resists, which I think is healthy. Yeah, I need to run the numbers and compare it to like a Tempest Fleet issue, but I think I think no, the after... TFI is just straight better right now in in, yeah. in like any combat situation. But the Mac has so many advantages in terms of like agility, ease of getting into warp, warp speed. You know, um, it it gets a better utility high because it can sometimes fit better stuff in there. I should be intangible. The TFI has better utility high slots. That's a good point. No fitting, like fitting room changes were made, and mid slot modules typically take less, like power bit intensive things. No, than... you're not. You're, there's no way you're dropping a plate, though, is there? Realistically. Yeah, you're right. You're right. There's no way. You're just dropping like a, a DCU or like one of your, I don't know, Enams? Question mark. I'd have to check, but yeah, in general, it's going to be. It's going to reduce the tank somewhat. I guess you get an extra mid for utility, but I don't think that's overly important. Maybe you run an injector so you can run hardness, question mark? You can run hardness without an injector just fine. Yeah, especially now that Ford bombs are gone. Yeah. I, I, I still think there's life yet in the Macario. It's just a question of what form does it take. I, I don't think... I mean, it, it could literally be as small as removing, like you said, an Enam, or maybe... Rearranging it so you're doing enams instead of hardeners, and then the mid slot is a tracking computer to give you back the the range. Yeah, I'm just excited to see more small gang like Max. I reckon we'll see them some more in um, in soft warfare. Actually, I reckon we'll see mm. a couple of people try and use like RT Max in soft warfare. 
and they'll perform mediocre. We should really quickly finish this. <coughs> oh, so we got the cyclone. <laughs> Getting a slight buff, I like it. 7.5% to heavy missile launcher and heavy, missile, heavy assault missile launcher rate of fire. It was 5. That's Taking cool. From a 5.5 to a 6. Let's move on. <laughs> cyclone is, is a criminally underrated solar ship, and now it got a lot more viable. So I'd like it better if the velocity bonus was changed to a explosion radius. Is that the right uh, term I'm looking for? Radius is sick, yeah. Yeah, I'd like it if it made that switch, because it's much easier to fit a cyclone with a freaking scram web brawly hand fit than it is to go with a target painter scram, because things can just scram web you and burn away. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Eagle, pretty significant rearrangement here. It's getting a drone bay. And a little bit more velocity. Yeah, I don't know what what this is. It's taking it from from like a, I don't know, a 4.5 to a 5.5. I'd say. It gives her a lot of utility to play around with. There's a buff to Blaster Eagles. I'll say that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Blaster Eagles, but, like, I don't know anyone who really uses those. Maybe they have a Nobody. It (laughs) could be a significant buff to PvE usage, because if you were trying to use a Rail Eagle, then you couldn't deal with Frigs, and now you can. Oh, boy, I I bet that helps all the two people in EVE Online who use a Rail Eagle for PvE. I tell you what, if you use a Rail Eagle for PvE... I tell you what, the first person who sends me a fucking... Like screenshot of them getting a, a fucking ratting tick in a ratting eagle. I will give you. T- I will double that tick. To be clear, my thought process here is mission runners, oh, particularly okay. like level four blitzers who yeah, sure. use hacks. Uh, uh, anyone anyone who completes a mission in a fucking eagle, I'll double that as well. The first person. Hey man, I used to use a sacrilege back in the day. Don't hate. Yeah, but that was when the sacrilege was a beam ship, and actually he did that. Uh, I didn't play Eve when the sacrilege was a beam ship. Oh wow. Okay. I didn't even know the sacrilege well, was a beam ship ever. Yeah, like back before the Great Carnid law change, it was um, uh, predominantly a laser ship, and it was just a more tanky version of the sacrilege. Sorry, of the zealot. It was the wow. tanky one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> did you know that the fucking that the scythe is the only ship in the game to ever have its repair? Sorry, one of its bonuses be sorry as a T one ship, its only bonus be to remote track computers. Yes, I did. I used I used to use it a lot. It was really fun. <laughs> Way back in the day, I I like the eagle getting a little bit more velocity. I think drone bay is a really questionable decision for it. I don't think it it helps much at all. It could be useful hazing fighters if it does become like a proper doctrine. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I guess I I still think they need to do a little work. Just balancing the eagle and the serb together, and then the eagle compared to like every other sniping ship in the game. I don't think right. it has its role yet. Let's go to the big boy, Munin. The Munin! Finally! Munin gets a little bit of love. We've been asking for it on this show for forever. Uh, increasing the Mimitar Cruiser bonus from seven point from 5% per level to 7.5% per level for medium projectile turret damage. Yes. Volley going through the roof. But it's also got a lot more things. The community has been asking forever. Minus one high slot, plus one mid slot. We get that. And stuff that no one's been asking for, as far as I know. Plus 150 armor hit point, seems random. Plus 20 maximum velocity, okay. Minus 750,000 mass, that is huge, because actually the Munim was a really slow accelerator. And minus 10 signature radius, which is pretty nice. CCP, stop trying to make the Munim an armor ship. It's not going to happen. 
it's closer to happening now than it's ever been. I can actually, I, I think I can actually reveal that originally it was going to be minus one low slot, minus, uh, plus one mid slot. Oh god. Which no. would have been interesting. That would have been and amazing. No, that would have been awful, are you kidding me? No, yeah, it, it, would, it would have been significantly lower in power level than this. I'm thinking that. like small gang roaming around with a double utility high, two medium newts or something crazy like that. ASB in the mids plus scram and something else. Terrible. Mm, yeah. You gotta believe. You gotta believe. With what capacitor are you using these two medium nudes? I, I just want to say to all the people on Reddit who downvoted me when I talked about, you know, one of the considerations you have to have in doing this sort of thing to the mutant, uh, specifically the minus one high slot, minus, plus one mid slot change, is that you'll have people complain and, you know, CCP will see the stats of people who use that extra high slot and see that uniqueness as an important part of the ship to keep. And go check out the forum thread on the balance changes here. And there's like 50 people in the thread who are, who complain about the fact that they can no longer combat probe with their munin <laughs> and do combat exploration with it. I told you oh, there were some people out there who do that, even though it's not optimal. Were they people using were a NOS weird. in the other one? Yeah, yeah. Like mm. NOS, autocannons, I don't know, fucking madness. So the only the only thing I think is left to do, they do mention that uh, there's some stiff competition, so we'll have to see how it goes. That is still true. I think the Munin is more competitive now. I'm excited to try it out. I'm begging you, begging you, begging you. Drop the drone bay to get the rate of fire bonus up from five percent to seven point five percent, or I think it's a, yeah. I think it's at five. All right, are you gonna miss the final thing though? The uh, the fix in the future for 500 MN heavy interdictors. Can can we just talk for a second how much the Muna needs that? Because it really does. How, like, every ship that doesn't... This is actually something that I, I can, once again, kind of talk a lot about because um, when I heard about the changes to the Orthrus, the first thing I thought about was, like, what's the reaction from the elite PvP small gang community going to be? And it's going to be like, how the fuck are you... Why are you fixing this and not 500 MN Hicks, which are the only reason we use this 100 MN XLASB max coward bit. So I made sure to specifically kind of point out that we need to address this in the future and that you, know, you kind of want to tie this in that way. So I'm, I'm really happy that that went through because I think Fine. it kind can of dampened I, a lot of anger that might have been there. Can I just complain for a second about the low sec elite PvPers? Guys, sure. learn how to turn, okay? <laughs> I flew Logi in the Alliance tournament pretty badly, admittedly, and even at my low level of skill, I was able to figure out during our scrimmages that if somebody has a 500mn hick that is 50 kilometers away from you at the start of a match, you're going, you're starting moving as soon as they're starting moving, go sideways. They can't catch you. You're welcome. Owned. Like, honestly. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's a thing that should exist. So I'm fine with it going away. I love that it was a thing. I was so happy when Slice used it against us. Because it was cool. It was novel. It was something nobody expected that would actually work. I spent too many hours than I should have practicing it on CC. Yeah, it's broken. But it's still cool. And it's only broken because people are bad at PvP. It's quote-unquote interesting. Mm, I like that phrase. Minin. Get rid of the drone bay. 7.5% per level rate of fire. Let's do it, CCP. Let's make hacks great again. Yeah. Yeah? Really? You're, I, you're I, like, I, I, I think Let's not go crazy, alright? I, 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 I'm reminded of a quote from CCP Fozzie 
which is that there's one constant in EVE Online development, which is that people will underestimate how powerful a new or a new and or buff Mimitar ship will be. Especially given that the um, hack damage controls are a thing now. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, buffs doing there. I think we're going to see at least one ship step up, step up and be a, a part of the meta, however briefly. It's supposed to be a gunboat. It's like it, it's supposed to be the hack artillery platform. Give it everything it needs for that, and I think it needs just a little bit more rate of fire to get that DPS number up and to allow you to be able to call targets faster. And if it loses the drone bay for that, yes, it's losing some some DPS. Yes, it's making itself more vulnerable to frigates. But I think it's a cool differentiation between um, the Vaga and the Munin. I think it speaks to the role of the ship, and I think it speaks to Tech 2 specialization. So I hope they at least look at it. So, Artemis, Solve Warfare. Crazy! It's going crazy, man! Freaking... Okay, team. You can rep ships which have active and toasted... Pardon me. Subcap ships. Important distinction. You can rep subcap ships which have active entosis modules now. Alec, you requested this back in the day. It's good. I mean, it's potentially good. I I can see it being abused, but... You I'm... also, like, basically can't be jammed anymore, because plus 100% sensor strength to anybody with an active... Actively cycling entosis link, okay? So freaking solo PPPers worry about ECM drones. Don't go fit in one of these things, expecting it to prevent them from stealing your kills. You have to have it cycling. Okay, team? It will be, it will actually be interesting to see if we start seeing people, um, rather than using like throwaway griffins, to see if they start using lockbreaker bombs on the Intosis node, because that will work in the same way. So, what are the mechanics behind lockbreaker bombs? Lockbreaker bombs only break your lock, but they have an incredibly high sense of disruption strength. Ooh. They're, they're quite good. And Burst ECM is also something that could be coming into play. With the new decreased range of 20 kilometers for T1 and 50 kilometers for T2 Entosis links, it'll be significantly easier to catch Entosis ships, especially if people try to go to like the the new like damnation, sticking them on nodes and just relying on Longi to keep them up or something yeah. like that. that. That's exactly Lock what I thought. Lockbreaker bombs would be excellent there. Yeah, that's why I, I, I have mentioned this to CCP. I've been like, yo, this might be a thing. We'll see. It's really nice to have to talk to CCP because it means that I basically get to have backup to say, I was right, you see, I told you, I called it, and then I just well, forget about We'll see what this does to the meta. I don't think it addresses the Fozzy Claw issue that much, which is um, a, the yeah. big complaint. Well, uh, I think it does, because previously, if you went with, like, tankier ships, then instead of Fozzy Claws, they'd bring out a few Orthruses or some other roaming skirmish-ish doctrine and just go one by one popping your relatively tanky Intosis ships, but you couldn't deal with them. The The reason the speed thing was an issue or was viable was because you couldn't receive remote reps, and so there wasn't a better alternative. Yeah, and you now also have the option of, like, you have the option of, like, just sitting there with, like, a forks beside you in several smart bombing battleships. Hmm. And just, yeah. like, sit there in permatank and just be like, yeah, you know, now, because I can actually finally do this, um, claws don't get to exist on this grid in any reasonable range. The downside, of course, being that now, like, you have to deal with the capital blob. Well, oh, I mean, it yeah, takes yeah, off. Yeah. Now you actually have to commit to grid to win the grid. I think that's good. I'm also really happy about the reduction in nodes numbers. Oh my gosh. That's so yeah. nice. 
It's not just that. It's that they paired it with each node now counts for more. So Yeah. If it was just a straight reduction in number of nodes, I think that would have actually made things worse. Oh, yeah, yeah, and of course. To the people complaining about how the reduction in nodes benefits is like large block-level groups, you have to remember that smaller groups don't necessarily have the numbers to be able to deal with five nodes. Four nodes is significantly easier to deal with if you consider that nodes continue to spawn even beyond the initial five. So if you can barely deal with the five, it's just going to get worse for you as the fight goes on. So I think it'll it'll really benefit sort of small to medium groups, maybe lacking in manpower, and it's also semi-useful for large block engagements. Speaking of those groups, Yin, conspicuous by its omission, not addressing the passive defensive regen here. Do you know what the deal is with that? Are you able to say? I'm gonna I'm gonna call an NDA on this one. Ooh. Call it that home strike and just duck out. I will ask this: Was it raised in the discussion, or was it completely overlooked? I believe it was raised in discussion. Okay. So for those who who don't know what I'm talking about, when you're the defender and your nodes come out, they begin to passively capture for you. The idea is that if the attacker doesn't show up and you just got, like, troll entosis by someone who wasn't actually going to show up to take your systems, then you wouldn't have to, like, form up an op to repair them all. Downside is, even if the attacker does show up, unless they're hitting every node at the same time, then, you know... it unacceptably, in my view, increases the amount of time that it takes the deta- the defend blah, blah, the attacker, even though they're there and actually doing stuff, to take the system. I think it punishes small groups that don't have four to five pilots to put strictly on entosis duty. No, well, you so see, for... but, yeah, but you see, you see, Alexei, the thing is, you could you, sh- you can get around that by just having more accounts, as Arma said earlier. That makes it okay. Okay, team. If you are aspiring to be a block-level FC <laughs> and are in a small-to-medium-sized gang who struggles to get four to five pilots to entosis nodes, please respond to the show poll. <laughs> I th- yeah, I think this is the poll. Uh, we're gonna, uh, we'll have to figure out a way to phrase it in a way that doesn't make Artemis sound absolutely ridiculous. But we'll figure it out. What is ridiculous about if you are getting headshot, use an alt? What is ridiculous about requiring people to have more than one account to play the game? That's interesting. It's not required. You're just saying it is. No, it's an option. It is a perfectly viable option which many people have are more than willing and able to use. Like, they have the capacity to use an alt to target call from that negates the need for the stupidly begging-to-be-exploited new anti-headshotting ship, I forget the name. Monitor. Monitor, thank you. Anyway, before we go back down that tangent, for completionist's sake, there is also an increase to the random node spawn chance of 14% in Sob Warfare. That's just... Yeah, well, I'm not sure what the impact of this is actually going to be. It means that you have slightly more nodes spawning, so the Intosis timer should go down quicker if you have the advantage. It, it basically just means the winner wins faster. And the loser has less chances to catch up. Which, having gone through six-hour Entosis fights, even when it's just like a 50-man fleet versus a 50-man fleet, thank you, CCP. <laughs> yep. Did we talk at all about the jumping and tethering changes, by the way? We have not. We have not even gotten there yet. You see stuff. Oh, this I'm is going to be big. I think they're good. I think... I'm surprised they didn't go with something similar to the garage door, um... Maca- uh, 
exclusion zone that they had previously, but I'm fully okay with this one as well. So this is there's going to be a slight delay after jumping to tethering. Yeah, it means now there's actually a potential to kind of, you know, catch people. I mean, you still have, like, the the PDS and the ECM on the 40, or, or sorry, on any large structure you jump to, so you're going to be safe a significant percentage of the time, as long as you have an ult that can gun it, or someone who can gun it for you. I was going to say, that's, but, that's the big constricting factor here, is a lot of people moving caps are using maybe the the things of their blues, or neutral or free-ported things, which some of them are traps, and that's how caps are dying now. But a lot of the time, the person moving the capital will not have any way to gun the structure which they're jumping to, especially now that low-power structures are a thing, and so you can't have a very powerful structure out in the middle of space that's like you can't have your own network as easily as previous i think that's great i mean with all the buffs that caps have enjoyed recently and how prevalent they are in eve uh having more ways to get them killed i think is great yep i'm i mean i'm kind of always okay with things that mean that more idiots die my question is how long is the timer and is it long enough for you to bump this thing out of tether range let me check if that has been publicly released yet. Yeah, it, it hasn't. It's just a hypothetical. The delay lasts for 30 seconds after the point where jumping in ship loses their system change in vulnerability. Where is this? In the discussion thread. Ooh. Literally linked in the thing you're reading. I'm not so it would lie. be, uh, you can still first. dock though, correct? I kind of have to, it's part of my job, my space job. You're not tethered, but you can dock. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it basically means that you can't use Astra Houses to jump safely around the universe, which is cool. Yeah, that's it great. Means that if you want to, like, go and invade somewhere, you have to leave, like, a railroad of fucking Keep Stars to them, which I think is sick and is a great mechanic. If only Keep Stars were killable with the current mechanics, then it would be great. Well, there are many. Certainly... I, I think I would like to point you to the Tri Keep Star, which literally just died. Could you point me to another one? Uh, CVAs. <laughs> okay. There's also the Horde Keepstar that just keeps getting reinforced to break its freaking unanchoring timer, which is rather amusing. It's pretty sick. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Legitimately, like, no no PanFam bias here, it's probably broken. Like, CCP should just pause the timer if the thing gets reinforced. But I think that's a sensible change to make. Whether it's possible because of spaghetti code, I don't know, but I think that's a sensible way to deal with the situation of 24-hour vulnerability and a week-long unanchoring timer. And apparently the panel agrees. <laughs> I mean, I, I just don't know enough about that issue to intelligently comment. Oh, so basically Horde is moving. They've got to keep Star up in Pure Blind, or is it Cloud Ring? I can never remember. Cloud Ring. Geminid is where they're going to. Yeah, yeah and, they're uh, moving to Geminid. They're trying to unanchor their Keep Star, but because they're now vulnerable 24 hours a day, Goon Swarm or Initiative or whoever is coming up in like a fleet of Jumpy Ravens, and reinforcing it when they don't have either the numbers or the FCs to form up to counter them and stop them. And whenever a Keepstar, or any Citadel for that matter, enters a reinforcement, irregardless if it's just the shield timer, it cancels completely the seven-day unanchoring timer. Which means that I... every time this thing gets hit, it stops the unanchoring, you've got to wait another week. It isn't quite that cut and dry. There is some, you know, there have been some losses on the Imperium side. But it's it's still very fucking funny. 
it does seem a little excessive, but at the same time, it's generating fights, so. Yeah. But I think the issue that I have, the biggest issue with the jump change, is the jump fatigue. And I think we're going to have it out here, I have a feeling. Uh-oh. 95% reduction on cap, in the cap on jump fatigue accumulation. Taking the blue timer from 4 days to 5 hours, and the maximum jump activation cooldown from nearly 10 hours to 30 minutes. What the fuck? It's a good change. Let, let's, I think Ian and I have very similar feelings about this. Alec, let's hear your complaints. I think this completely undermines the, the purpose of jump fatigue as a mechanic in the game. And I question now the need to have it as if it's just a minor annoyance well, and it's not actually fixing the meta problems that jump fatigue was introduced to fix. Can you Why not just remove the goddamn thing? Problems? Can you explicitly define those problems? Because I think this is where we differ on our opinions. Uh, there were two main issues. One was alliances being able to relocate their capital and super capital fleets multiple regions in a single day or two. And the That's other issue was so specific groups like Pandemic Legion and Snuffbox being able to project capital hot drops on anyone just about anywhere in the game within a few minutes, making it unrealistic for anyone except those groups to use capitals in the first place. Okay, so on point number one, as you sort of said, it's still possible. MC's done it. Other groups may have a little bit more trouble if organization's an issue, but it's possible if you manage your orange timer with current jump fatigue. To your second point, um, you still can't project because you can't respond as quickly. Because even though the cap is lower, it's still high enough to prevent you from reaching your destination before the fight is likely over, or before your intended effect won't basically happen. Like, the rage jumping carriers multiple times to go dunk a battleship fleet in low-sec by PL, that's broken. We, I think we're all in agreement here. But these changes don't enable that, because it doesn't reduce the effect based on the range, right? You're still getting fatigue. You still can't jump. And I think it's just long enough to prevent this um, dogpiling on any fights with capital superiority from happening. But it still enables, like, useful movement of caps, especially now that CCP is significantly nerfed cap movement with the increase, the massive increase in cost from fuel usage. I like this change. Essentially, you're going to have groups like Snuff be able to do about, well, I think it's three Sinos worth of projection multiple times in a single gameplay session. That's a lot. I don't think that that's particularly bad if they have to, if they still spend three hours doing it. I, I think if you can't see that coming, then you are already going to be at a disadvantage. It's just a question of how that disadvantage comes to you. And yeah, it's a no. disadvantage, but yeah. If you, don't, if you don't want to get dropped by snuff, have an alt and stick it in their staging system. Oh, no. So, yes. Uh, so now we all need alts for FCing, taking sob, and operating in low sec with a capital ship. But or really just... any sizable fleet. You can just, you should, you can find out about movements from stuff like that just from allies like if you're at risk of being dropped at a large timer because that's what we're going to be talking about here for this these no i'm talking any timer yeah i guess but not even timers it's it's really bringing it back to the old days where you would just get dropped like all the time i wouldn't have cried if the fatigue was like 10 10 hours one hour 
But I'm okay with this because I think the game right now just needs people to fight. It needs people to get in these big cap skirmishes and stuff needs to happen. You know, it's going to be a catalyst for content, and I'm very much in favor of that, even if it's something that has to be pulled back later. I think, you know, good on CCP for finally fucking addressing it. I think you have to remember, Alec, that in order to deal with timers, right, the what we're talking about here, the change that we're talking about, it doesn't affect things one jump or even two jumps away. It affects, like, three jumps or greater. And the fatigue proposed still prevents you from getting three jumps or greater in a reasonable amount of time. I'm talking like 30 minutes or so. I think. My math could be wrong on this. But Citadel timers are shorter than that, both killing them, like finishing a reinforcement cycle, and when they're vulnerable. So if you're not planning ahead and you're not moving early, then you still can't jump across the map to get to a fight. But if you are planning ahead and moving early, well, you were doing that before. This change doesn't affect you. So I don't think it opens up any new windows for oppressive utilization of a super cap umbrella, or capital umbrella for that matter. The one thing it does do is mean that if there's a massive tie-dye fight, you can potentially get to it from a lot further away than you could before. You know, there was an upper limit in how much you could reasonably travel in like three or four hours, which is how long you expect a tie-dye fight to go on for in terms of the rest of the universe. And now that's kind of less important. It's still there, but it's not as big. So if you're like five mids away from where a big fight's going to go down, maybe you can like get yourself in position there. And it's, it's a good also... thing there aren't any problems with large amounts of caps and tie-dye. Otherwise that could cause some real problems. Oh, wait. Well, I mean, they are changing fighters and tethers, so hopefully that'll go away. Maybe? Yeah, I'm... I wouldn't hold your breath, fam. <laughs> I just want NC to make the boson thing happen. Like, if that can happen, I would be so happy. What do you mean? When... Could, would you say that you'd be tappy? I don't get this reference. Oh, never mind, it's a pun. Okay. It's a really okay. shit pub. Whew. Um, so when goons were trying to reinforce or kill the Horde Keep Star, I think it was one of the, it was the second timer, the second reinforcement time, or the second cycle of them trying to kill this thing. Uh, they had their massive carriers on their Fortazar on grid with the Keep Star. And when they came in, or actually I think when they were like in the process of shooting at it, NC dropped three titans to try and boson the groups of carriers just sitting on this Fortazar. Unfortunately, it didn't work. Two of the titans died because the carrier... And only one carrier died because all the rest of them just tethered up. But with the changes to active fighters being out, now you have to, like, abandon your fighters or whatever. And in the time it takes boson to happen and F1 monkeys being bad with fighters, bosoning carrier groups trying to assault Keepstars or other citadels for that matter is going to be significantly more effective, I suspect. And I really, really hope it is. Although some people think it's a kind of broken thing. I disagree. But I mean, so uh, with the fighter changes, are they taking an aggro timer when they no. launch them, or they just no. can't tether while they're out? They just can't tether while they're out. They can literally just abandon them and then instantly tether. Unless they're scrammed. Like, basically, if uh, for the small gang, sort of 99% of EVE type deal, if you've got somebody with an Astro House a thousand kilometers off a gate and they're camping the gate with their fighters, now you can warp to the Astro House and scram them. Where previously they'd just be invulnerable unless they engage something that came through the gate. Yeah, improvement. Still not going to stop the fact that CCP 
or just not CCP, but EVE Online just can't handle large numbers of players, and that isn't, isn't certain things like fighters and drones have, greatly add to lag. Where all it is is just improvements and just stuff that people generally agree is good. Like, I mean, can we just take a moment and be happy about that? It's pretty much. I am very happy about that. There is one glaring flaw, but other than that, yeah, I'm happy. I'm very happy about that, but I think these jump fatigue changes are way too far, and I think we're now in this weird middle ground where we have the worst of both worlds. Sounds like a fantastic band name, by the way. <laughs> worst of both worlds. Sounds like I love life. You got the annoyance of having jump fatigue as a thing when you're trying to move your capital, but it's not enough of a deterrent to stop groups from toxically projecting capital ship power. I would, like, if you wanted to remove it, just remove it and replace it with a simple 5 or 10 minute cooldown timer. And fucking done. How is it going to deal with blobs? Blobs projection is going to go through the roof. Blobs oh, yeah. effectively just don't deal with cooldowns. And jump freighters as well. Yeah, rocks too. Rocks might actually unironically be a problem. You might end up having to remove their, um, their, jump, their, their jump fatigue reduction because... You know, probably uh, PL's already been using our uh, rocks against us, and they were pretty okay. I don't know if that will ever continue, but we'll see. I mean, why bother? I mean, now they have effectively zero jump fatigue. You can literally just cover a region forever in them. They can already effectively do that, though. Even under the old no, jump fatigue systems, there was super cap umbrellas well, keeping those ships safe. No, no, no. I'm talking about using them as combat ships, dudes. Yeah, but I mean. But There's like, no more in, drawback in the to using them warfare, than anything like, else. In the context of Entosis Warfare, they now get to like rapid respond, which is pretty weird. Yeah, like you stick a, sure like a shield command ship or something on a um on a node, and then if it gets attacked, Sino up, in comes Rourke. And yeah, you know, you attack somewhere else, oh, Sino up, in comes that same Rourke, because it has no fatigue. Oh, it can tank well enough that if you're not willing to commit to that grid, then it doesn't even need to enter its siege, and there you go. You could probably literally just cycle two Rorks and never have to worry about it. If you're losing in Tosis War, train up a Rourke all. I mean, I again, I, it hasn't been stopping real, regular capital ships from doing the exact same thing. The fact that they can't reposition as well, basically. I'm trying to look for what the new minimum is going to be. It's the new minimum? Yeah. What do you mean by that? After you jump, what's the... What, literally, what is your orange timer for the first jump? The same as it was before, I believe. But the only thing it changes is after your uh, after your first jump. Yeah, it's a it's a ninety five percent reduction in the accumulation, not overall. So the the function that determined how much extra you got if you had existing fatigue, that's the thing that's reduced. If I'm reading correctly, and I think Ian is saying the same thing. So you still have is it ten minutes? Just under ten minutes, orange time. Yeah, it's like. It's either 10 or 8 minutes, or something close to that. It's never really been something that I've needed to worry about because I've lived in Providence and literally fought within, you know, one jump of anywhere anywhere at all. Yeah, I don't know, man. It, it seems like it'd just be easier to put a 10-minute cooldown on, flat 10-minute cooldown. Does it just turn your, like, EVE player senses on when you're like, this could be abused? No, it, it's just... It's it's like fucking pointless at this point. It's just another complex system that's doing something that a really simple system could do just as effectively. Doesn't that just literally define Eve, though? Yeah, it defines the worst parts about Eve. Yes, that is true. Yeah, you're not wrong. 
you're you not wrong there, actually. A, a complex system doing something a simple system could do just as well that players that have, like, half a mind to do it can easily circumvent Mind and still do off. shit that, like, wrecks the game. So in other words, the worst of all EVE mechanics. Congratulations. Yeah. I fucking threw something down on test Reddit the other day, which I think is pretty accurate, which is uh, EVE's the kind of game for someone who stubs their toe on a table and then kicks it really hard with the other foot. You know, we, we, don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't let complexity of systems beat us very often, I find. Yeah, all right. Well, let's let's move on. I'm not pleased with these jump changes. I I just uh, strongly dislike how the meta was back then. It's very depressing to play, and uh, I I hope that is not the case. Or if it does become the case, as I predict that it will be, that CCP will rapidly respond to that. Although I, they probably won't. <laughs> Host highlights. Mine's real quick. Uh, been having computer problems for the past couple weeks. Lots of blue screens of death. Uh, my computer was running super slow at one point. It was just lagging on a single EVE client. Uh, I believe, fingers crossed, they have finally all been fixed as of last night. So it's good to be back. Hope to be back streaming very soon. Yay! Hooray! Yeah. Follow, follow, you know, follow Alec at his stream, whatever it is. Twitch.tv slash Alec. Alec, While we're on the topic, Alec, you forgot to spell Feral so that people can navigate to his Twitch stream. Twitch.tv slash F-A-Y-R-A-L. Feral. Yeah. My host highlights. Just like I was just going to make some meme about doing really well in poker because I was playing some poker during the start of this episode, but I, I didn't actually do that well. I came like 80th, so. It was looking so good for so long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Totally fucking flubbed out of it as well. I, I thought my I thought my king high flush was good. It was not good. Uh, in fairness, I would have thought a king high flush was good too. Yeah, take sometimes. that for whatever it's worth. Yeah, so, sometimes you just you know get cooler. You're like you 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 cool with the second best hand in you know poker. Yep, Artemis. My highlight is shaking the rust off of my piloting. Like um, MC is casually starting back up our AT training. We're oh using God, basically so well, like there's well, no vaguely soon, you know, no I mean. new rules, no nothing like that. We're just training up the new pilots, getting communication going, getting the mechanics down. And so far, I've been working through like every single practice, but I made it to one. Was able to fly a single match, flew horribly, but I had a lot of fun. Yeah, something, something is the taking part that counts. Hmm. Yeah, it's nice that they have that open. Um, that open practice, it's pretty nice. Yeah, you should like make a pseudo alliance, Alec, and make an AT team. Just saying. Mm. I wonder who's actually going to lead the test AT team this year. Test AT team is normally actually kind of good. I'm looking I mean, at I can't them. be part of it because I got a comment. Uh, well, I'm going to try and hopefully commentate this year. Fingers crossed, TM. <laughs> I'm looking at skill yourself because, as I understand it, the majority of skill yourself is already relatively good. Brave is relatively good, if not just flat-out good. And a lot of the Brave Alliance Tournament team left to go to Skill Yourself now. Yeah, they went to Parato Social Club, which is uh, the newest addition to Skill Yourself. <laughs> EVE Online's premier Christian corporation. Skill Yourself is such a joy. 
I still can't believe the number of revenants they have dropped in like hostile space and not lost a single one. Like either these guys are super risk averse and there's just so many targets out there that they still find targets, or people just don't care. Probably a little bit of both. Um, if you kill stuff really fast, then there's not really much opportunity for people to do anything about yeah, it. But they're like dropping them on Rourke, so unless they're volleying them before they can get panic off, I don't see how it's possible to kill it that fast. That's a good point. I mean, I guess if you're hunting bots, it's kind of easy to predict their actions. Hmm. Sorry, Speaking of hunting bots, we did get a security devlog. We didn't talk about it here, but uh, the TLDR is seems like CCP is focusing on account security and not bots at the moment. Ian, would you characterize that as correct? Uh, yeah, that's pretty much what they talked to us about in the security meeting. I, you know, I, I find it was very hard to argue the security topics because CCP has access to all that data, and you just don't, and you have to kind of accept that going into it. I really like that they gave us the info on like, hey guys, we get that you think bots are a problem, but as much of a problem as bots are, account security is a much bigger problem that you just can't see because you don't have access to that info. Like, I yeah. really like that it, they included that in that dev blog to explain why that was their focus. If they hadn't done that, there would have been player outrage, but it was great. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that they took that approach. Still would like them to move on to the bot problem, though, because that, I mean, it, it, it hits the economy, not just people's individual accounts. All right. We have a dramatic reading. It's been a while, but I got some hilarious mails from the Russian that lives in Intex 6, where he used to live. I think we've successfully chased him off. Uh, this guy was, you know, he, he was around. He didn't really bother us necessarily, but he would, like, roam around in, in a harbinger and stuff and, like, warp in on people. I don't know if he ever caught anybody successfully. We just certainly didn't from our corp, but it's just kind of annoying. And we have a rule that if you're in a combat ship in Intac 6, you are opting in to fight. We'll not shoot miners. We're not going to shoot industrials. We won't shoot, like, T1 exploration frigates or something like that. But if you're in a combat ship, we assume that you're there to PvP. So we started trying to kill this guy. Eventually we caught him, and when we caught him, he unleashed a bunch of homophobic slurs in Russian, and then in English, and we are like, oh, that's interesting, so he killed him again, and again, and then eventually, he got fed up and tried to mail me, and it got pretty hilarious from there. So, Yin or Artemis, would either of you like to fl uh, flex your Russian accent? Not me. I have Thanks, no you know Russian accent. I could attempt one, if you guys want to play me. I think that's the way we got to do this, Jin. How's your um? How's your Alec accent? Not good. I don't really want to. I don't really want to try and do an Artemis accent. It's getting really right. late here. All right, so this is all you, man. I'll do Alec. Alec does Russian. Let's make this happen. Recourse to the head of the clan. Hello. I've been hanging out with you for a long time now. I'm engaged in miningings and the crabbing of neppies, but there was a conflict with your with your clan members. They attacked me. Ah, fuck. I'm not even doing a good Russian accent. Ah, this is hard because he's misspelling shit constantly. <laughs> <clears throat> Recourse to the head of the clan from Kuperos. And we'll just leave his name at that. Hello. I've been hanging out with you for a long time now. I'm engaged in minings and crabbing of neppies. 
but there was a conflict with your clan members. First, they attacked me on the crabbing of the Nepis. They forbid them to steal on combat ships and ships. What is not not what is not for nonsense? I spent hundreds of millions of claims on your purchases and looked around, but yourselves began to behave like jackals. Sincerely, Michael. Hi, Kuporos. It is public information that we're an NBSI Corp, and you're not blue. We do not attack haulers or mining ships in Antaxis, but everything else will be shot if it isn't blue or in fleet with us. Furthermore, your homophobic rage directed at my corp have not endeared you to us. You should get more used to flying in your pod. Alec. Hi, hi. As you say, homophobic rage... Uh, quotation marks, arises after you communicate with your clanmates and say that before the minigame, at first the sweep of the Nepis and my ship are not sharpened under the PvP. There is a blow in the back that is purely like a man, an attack three on a pretty weak in equipping the enemy. So, how do you call it? Thanks. <laughs> That's why they do not like Anglo-Sacs around the world, for hypocrisy and insidiousness. I do not think that insidiousness can be entered into the Dobiditelli. <laughs> Even under the New Testament, uh, in the real life, in battle, have never killed the enemy in hotspots weaker than himself, simply disabling, so as not to interfere with the task. In this game, I am distracted by rehabilitation, so I do not need a la-la. Nobody <laughs> tell Was he legitimately like that insane, or was this a Google Translate for the second one? I think it's a little bit of both, to be honest with you. I think this is a guy that doesn't have strong English and was probably using Google Translate to do some stuff. And I think he's also off his rocker. Does anyone know what Doba Detelli is? Doba Detelli. I have no fucking idea. Let me try Googling this shit. Uh, nope, they have no clue. Alright, well, Alec, we don't need no more of your Lala. Let's go. <laughs> no more Lala. No more Dova de... Don't enter into the Dova de Telly with any insidiousness, okay? I imagine it would mean something like Coliseum, question mark? That's, like, the context clues I'm getting. This That's why they do not like Angos, Angosacs around the world for hypocrisy and insidiousness. I do not think that insidiousness can be entered into the Dobo Detelli. D-O-B-O-D-E-T-E-L-I. Even yeah. under the New Testament. Yeah, I imagine that's, that's got to be like some sort of like uh, mistranslation of like Russian law or something that's held in high regard in their culture. Maybe, I don't know, maybe chivalry? I could see chivalry being mistranslated as that. Yeah, maybe. Has there been a renaissance in Russian chivalry? <laughs> you you can tell you can tell that I'm like I'm actually trying here to figure out what you say. So, so I do not think that insidious can be entered into the thing, even under the New Testament. I do not think that insidiousness can be entered into. So that that probably is mistranslated as you should not be a bad person when entering into. Right, so right. I get that that's either like Colosseum and he's making some sort of like allude, allodation towards, you know, it being an honorable place to fight because that's what you talked about. Maybe that got mistranslated to him as Dobrodetelli. As far as I can tell, it is not a word in English or Russian. It's probably a misspelling. 
It could be. In real life, in battle, never killed the enemy, parentheses, in hot spots, and parentheses, weaker than himself, simply disabling so as not to interfere with the task. The, the in brackets is obviously in, in combat situation or whatever the Russian word is for that. And right. He's basically so he, he's saying that he doesn't... life tough guy, I believe. Yeah, he's saying that he, he doesn't kill people, he just disables them so they don't bother him anymore. But he is also distracted by rehabilitation, so he doesn't need Lala. Not bad. Seems seems good. And I, to emphasize, Lala is in quotes. So, Maybe and previously oh, he used sorry, quotes sorry, for homophobic now, rage, I, which is I, I what I had said previously. Understanding of Russian culture. Here. Obviously, Lala is a reference to the French, and he's saying that you're surrendering. Boom, got him. Ooh. Ooh. Interesting. I'll buy that. That's true or not, but it's totally plausible in my my version of the world. You would know a lot about surrendering. Oh. I'll have you know I'm proudly Franco-Russian. I mean, in fairness, he ran away before he surrendered. Well, you know, I didn't the... surrender, I got poached. I'm going with that story. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I didn't sell out people, I bought in. <laughs> That's a good one. I'll use that one too. <laughs> That's it, guys. Go to declarationsofwar.com to participate in the show poll. Leave a comment on the episode. Capitalist Army is recruiting. We've picked up three or four new people over the past week or two. We could still use a few more good capitalists. Join Capitalist Chat in-game for more info. And wherever you are, good hunting listeners.